Welcome to Sleepover Cinema, where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of those who wish every movie was a lesbian rom-com. I'm Hannah Leach. And I'm Audrey Leach. We are the sister filmmaking duo, also known as Two Pink Pictures, and we have not stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them. We're going to explore the good, the bad, and the nonsensical of the movies that first inspired our love for film in an attempt to answer the question, are these movies actually good? And at the end of the day, do we really care if they are? Today, we are talking about 2002's Bend It Like Beckham. What did I do wrong in my past life? Jess had a talent that was something special. That was brilliant. Really good. Yeah, almost as good as a man. And before we get into this episode and all of its uh, contents, I just have to share that foreign correspondent Chris Shahadi has enlightened me on many topics for this episode. But perhaps most urgently, Victor Garber is gay. Did you know that? Um, maybe in my heart of hearts, <laughs> deep down somewhere yeah. within. Yeah. I had no idea. Um, and I was a little sad to find out just because that means the list of straight men that we have that we love is dwindling. Yeah. By the minute. <sighs> really sad. And I think I knew this deep down, but didn't totally know that Stanley Tucci is straight. Mm-hmm. I knew that. How did you know that? Just from life? Because it's everyone's like, oh my God, gay icon. He's not. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Chris said that in the Devil Wears Prada episode, I said something like, he's the gay for everyone. Yeah. And I think what I meant in my soul was like- The character. The character. Yeah. But he was like, you better check your facts, Miss Man. <laughs> and I was like, okay, true. So uh, we, so, well, first of all, Audrey and I are together in real life right now, which is a rare occurrence for our show because we're normally very much remote, but we just did our very first ever Sleepover Cinema trivia uh, Zoom event and it was really cute. Yeah, it was very fun. Shout out to everybody <laughs> who came and Diva and Sky were the winners. They tied. Yes. And so they're going to be getting a sleepover cinema gift bag sent to their homes. And we still have to decide what exactly will be in it. It's going to be cute. It's going to be maybe even fierce. And uh, maybe. <laughs> maybe. And we're definitely going to do another session probably in a couple months when we have more movies built up to pull from. But it was us. And it was also our friend Darren, who has this podcast called Under the Tree with DXC. He is one of the sweetest people in the world. And he wrote really, really good questions. And we had a really good time doing it so we've been talking a lot already this evening yeah but um we're here to discuss bend it like beckham strapped in anyway now that we got that out of the way it's time to discuss the facts surrounding bend it like beckham so i'll just jump right into it i just want to preface all this with saying that this is an extremely British movie and a lot of the context is not American. So either Indian or British or both, mostly both. Um, So I'm just going to jump right into it. So Bennett Lake Beckham was released on April 12th, 2002 in the UK and on March 12th, 2003 in the US. And this movie was directed and co-written by Gurinder Shada. And the movies that she's best known for um, are Bride and Prejudice, Angus Thongs and Perfect Snogging, relevant to us, and the show Beecham House. And before she started doing narrative work, uh, she was an award-winning and is an award-winning documentarian for the BBC and Channel 4. And I found this description of what her work is that I thought would be good to share. So this is what it said. Most of her films explore the lives of Indians living in England. The common theme among her work showcases the trials of Indian women living in England and how they must reconcile their converging traditional and modern cultures. Although many of her films seem like simple quirky comedies about Indian women they actually address many social and emotional issues especially ones faced by immigrants caught between two worlds which does that not describe Bend It Like Beckham? Yeah. yeah she is a really cool person you can kind of just tell by her body of work and also like the amount of control that she's had over the stuff that she's made um she seems like a very cool lady 
So the screenplay for Bend It Like Beckham was written by a few people. Um, and Gurinder was one of the main writers. But then we also had Goljeet Bindra. And this is their only credit. So maybe they were a friend of Gurinder. I don't really know. Um, and then we have Paul Mayetta Burgess, Bergs, who all of his credits were the same as uh, Grinders and I was like why and then I found out that they're married so he's a supportive husband we love that and then this movie was produced by Grinder obviously and her husband uh, Deepak Nayar and Paul Ritchie who is the line producer and I don't know if we've ever really talked about what a line producer is on Sleepover but um, a line producer is someone who really is dealing with like every little tiny detail, like coordinating everything, making sure that like, if you need three pairs of soccer cleats, like they're there, it's like a very intense job. Um, and this person, Paul was the line producer for this movie and also Slumdog Millionaire, Criminal, The Descent, Woman in Black, etc. Audrey, would you like to read this plot synopsis? Yes. So it is two ambitious girls, despite their parents' wishes, have their hearts set on careers in professional soccer. All right. <laughs> Pretty good. Pretty straightforward. Yeah. Um, but the taglines, you got a lot of good ones here. Um, okay. So there's five taglines. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one is, who wants to cook alu gobi when you can bend a ball like Beckham? Ooh. I should be saying these in a British accent. Yeah, you should. but do you have the ability (laughs) who wants to cook alu gobi when you can bend a ball like beckham damn (laughs) well that's a good accent okay keep keep it second one is just a winning comedy yes third one is don't call them chicks (laughs) fourth one is an indian girl born to play soccer for england oh my god and last but not least shouldn't it be football (laughs) yeah but that was probably like the american tagline you know and the last one is sometimes to follow your dreams you've got to bend the rules hell yeah (laughs) you gotta go out for a job with the bbc after this okay so good taglines good range would you agree with that yeah Okay, so now with this cast, we have Parminder Nagra as Jess. And this woman has been extremely booked and busy for a long time. But the things that she's best known for were that she was like a longtime recurring character on ER, The Blacklist. She's the best friend in Ella Enchanted. Of course, who could forget? She was an intergalactic, blackish, 13 Reasons Why, God Friended Me, and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And this is just like a little bit, little fun fact that I thought was interesting. I guess that when she was auditioning for the movie, she was worried that the scars on her leg would prevent her from getting the role of Jess. But instead, the scar and the story behind it was written into the script, which is kind of just like... I kind of feel like this whole movie is a really good example of like a director telling exactly the story they should tell and like working with the right people. And this is like a really good example of how she was just like a loving and generous director, sort of, I feel. Yeah, but I kind of felt like now that I know that the scar is real, I feel like it didn't need to be there at all. It didn't need to be there. Because I never even noticed it on her legs like when she was playing. Never. That's one of the things that could have been cut. Yeah, like it didn't mean anything yeah. other than maybe, you know, people in the world who had, who have scars that they're insecure about. Yeah, that's true. There's that. But that's like, true. as far as the literal story goes. Right. I wonder if this movie, like the theatrical release, I wonder if it was shorter. I kind of doubt it. You don't think so? No. Because that seems like a scene that very easily could have been cut, but... Anyway, next up we have Kira Knightley as Jules and Kira Knightley is truly that bitch. She, after this movie, very shortly after this movie, uh, made her premiere in Pirates of the Caribbean, which is really the thing she's best known for. But she's like the period piece head gal. So the other movies she's known for are Pride and Prejudice, Atonement, The Imitation Game, Collateral Beauty, which I wrote LOL because that movie came up recently. I don't remember. With someone. And I was like, I don't know what that is classically, but I remember writing that down. Anna Karenina, Love Actually. And she was in Star Wars, The Phantom Menace. So she's been in a lot of really big budget movies. People with a lot of money trust her as the face of their project, which I don't know really what that means on a big scale. she's pretty. She's pretty and (laughs) skinny. Yeah. That's it. Um, Yeah. And British. And British. 
and can hold it down in Pirates of the Caribbean. So everyone's probably like she can handle all this like extraness that comes along with being in a period piece. Next up, we have Jonathan Reese Mays as Joe, and he's like aggressively English. Like most of the things he was known for are really, really English. So he was on this show called The Tudors. He was Elvis in an Elvis biopic. Uh, He was in The Vikings, The 12th Man, and Mission Impossible 3. So that's that. And then um, next up, we have Anupam Care as Dr. Bamra. And also just pardon me if I'm pronouncing things wrong. I'm doing the best I can. And he was, and he plays Jess's dad and he was in Silver Linings Playbook, which why is it called that? I hate that name. Don't remember, but I've seen the movie. Okay. You already know. Made no impact on me. Yeah. I just remember that it was like very Oscar Beatty at the time. Literally could not tell you what happened in that movie yeah, at all. I have no idea Something either. Something with the dance floor. Hmm. and them (laughs) yeah and Bradley Cooper and Jennifer Lawrence um he was also in a Wednesday and he is primarily a Bollywood actor so uh I could list all the movies he was in and tv shows but I don't know if a ton of people would recognize them and I know that I didn't but he's worked for a really really long time and he's really good in this movie too and then we have Archie Punjabi as Pinky Bamra who is Jess's older sister she was in The Good Wife which is one of those shows I see written about everywhere and I have no idea what it is She was in Origins, San Andreas, A Good Year, and Postman Pat, which I think is really English. And then we have Shaheen Khan as Mrs. Bamra, who is like this very esteemed actress of the Bollywood like industry as a whole. Um, And she's been working for a really long time. And the movies that she's best known for, according to her IMDb, are this movie, You Will Meet a Tall Dark Stranger, Sweet Destiny, and It's a Wonderful Afterlife. And then last but not least, we have Amit Chana as Tony, who is the closeted gay best friend. And he was in EastEnders and he was in over 150 episodes of EastEnders. So he did a lot for that show. And he was in other stuff too, but that was kind of like the main thing that he's done other than this movie. All right. Yeah. So now we're going to head over to budget. (laughs) Um, so the budget for Bend It Like Beckham was $6 million, which is the equivalent of 3.7 million pounds. And the box office opening weekend was 161,528 in six theaters. It's a good profit for only six theaters and being like an indie release. That's good. Yeah. And the overall worldwide gross is 76,583,333, which is also great. Yes. Um, Obviously, that's huge, 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 huge money for something like this. Spending six million, getting way later, but getting back 76 million. Yes, we'll take it. So, Bend It Like Beckham was the highest grossing British financed, British distributed film ever in the UK box office prior to the success of Slumdog Millionaire. That's funny how they're also both like culturally similar. Yeah. Like that, those like big are the crossover. Ones. Yeah, yeah, makes sense though. Totally, and it's good. It's good for the culture. Mm-hmm. Um, there was an eighty-five percent critic score on Rotten Tomatoes, and the critic consensus is that it was inspiring, compassionate, and with a sly undercurrent of social commentary. Bend it like Beckham is a lively, feel-good movie that genuinely charms. And. Uh- You know I had to go to Mr. Ebert to hear what he had to say. Okay, so this is what he said. I saw more important films at Sundance 2003, but none more purely enjoyable than Bend It Like Beckham, which is just about as perfect as a teenage coming-of-age comedy. Could be. Yeah, I don't know why that's what it said. Like all good movies, Bend It Like Beckham crosses over to wide audiences. It's being promoted in the magazines and on the cable channels that teenage girls follow. But recently we showed it in our Ebert and Roper Film Festival at Sea. Send me to that shit. To an audience that ranged in age from 7 to 81 with a 50-ish median. And it was a huge success. For that matter, the hip Sundance audience dressed in black and clutching cell phones and cappuccinos loved it too. And why not since its character and sensibility are so abundantly lovable. So the man liked it. Good for him. Yeah. Yeah. And everyone does. Yeah. Which is good. Um, There's a 73% audience score. So we have two little comments from 
two different audience members, both rating at 3.5 stars. The first person said, it has everything football offers, struggle, teamwork, and a bit of uncomfortably honest social commentary. And the second person said, I watched Bend It Like Beckham at my school, having my teacher skipping it every 10 minutes because it was inappropriate. So I haven't seen the majority of the movie, but I decided I could make a review of what I've seen. I enjoyed the movie having a really good message and a few funny scenes. I believe it could have been better though. Well, at least it was more entertaining than Batman versus Superman. (laughs) Great commentary from that internet user. And there was just another little blurb I found online that was talking about the, like, wide audience that this movie reached. Um, And this is what I found. Although marketed to the United States as a chick flick, which is why we watched it and why it's included in Sleepover Cinema, it is regarded in Britain as an important post-feminist film that fits perfectly into the British progressive frame of 2002. Prime Minister Blair even wrote a congratulatory letter to Chada, the director, saying, we loved it, loved it, because this is my Britain. Chada herself meant for the film to be a girl power movie, which features both a white woman and an Indian British woman fighting for their shared dream of playing professional soccer. It addressed issues of prejudice against race and sexuality, however, allowing the film to transcend the chick flick moniker topics of interracial coupling and lesbian stereotyping add meaning to the girl power movie and that whole thing makes so much sense to me because it doesn't actually fit with sleepover cinema like if it i mean because we've all seen it because of the way it was marketed it does fit but like it's way too good it's it's just so different like there's it's way too deep yeah basically for it like without us overanalyzing it it's already too deep on its own but we will get into that So for the gossip section, I was originally going to try to do like a contextualization of like Sikh, which is like the religious uh, sect that Jess and her family are uh, of Sikh life in the UK. But it turns out that I am not even close to qualified to do that. And I would literally have to (laughs) like import someone to do that. Um, But I did call my friend Chris and he did tell me a lot of things and I kind of know more things now, but I don't feel confident enough in re-explaining it to be able to do it all that well. But it is an interesting dynamic, I have to say. So instead of that, uh, which perhaps we'll do on a different day, I just have the interesting pop culture things that happened in 2002 in America, at the very least. Audrey, would you like to read them? Sure. So... Halle Berry became the first black actress to win the Academy Award for Best Actress. Ben Affleck was People's Sexiest Man Alive. Britney and JT broke up. Um, The Dirty Era, Christina Aguilera started. Um, Michael Jackson and the whole baby dangling off the balcony thing happened. Anna Nicole Smith's show premiered. Mm Mm-hmm. Barbie, Rapunzel, and Yu-Gi-Oh! were hot toys on the market. The year of Vanessa Carlton's A Thousand Miles, important. Avril Lavigne's Let Go was released. Lilo and Stitch came out. The Sims came out. Like like the original Sims was like the hottest computer game. Yeah. Um, iPods existed. It was the first year with video iPods. Oh. (laughs) And... Kelly Clarkson wins American Idol. First season. Yeah. And I feel like this chunk of information is like core childhood for us. Mm -hmm. Like Lilo and Stitch, A Thousand Miles, Barbie Rapunzel. We literally had that Barbie. Um, In America, it was a very specific time. Yeah. So that's what we were up to. Um, But in terms of things we remember from childhood about this movie and when the last time we watched it was... What do you got, Audrey? I had never seen it. Really? Wow. Never. So I had seen it before. I'm pretty sure I watched it in French class, either in middle school or high school when a teacher was gone. We watched it in French and I remember being confused, but I remember watching it and being like, yep, this exists. Um, But this movie has been highly requested on Sleepover Cinema because there are a lot of gay overtones and undertones in this movie. And it really could have been a lesbian rom-com quite easily, but you know, that's not- But not that easily. 
not that easily and but not in 2000 yeah yeah but like if you shifted around a few parts if you wanted to you could make it happen pretty easily um and also i'm sure we have a lot of like ex-soccer people <laughs> that are really into it audrey you Maybe. played soccer yeah that <laughs> i stopped in like seventh grade because so. <laughs> of your asthma no because i did dance yeah, right. It right, just right. the arts overtook any yeah, that's real. thing I was doing. That is real. Um, so I guess on that note, we can break. So inexplicably, this movie is on Disney Plus, which is where I watched it. Um, but you can go there and watch it in its entirety with very little strain. We encourage you to do so. And then we will come back and discuss our findings. We are gathered here today to give you permission to plan the wedding that you want. I'm Jessica Bishop. And I'm Sari Wienerman. And we're the hosts of the Bouquet Toss podcast. Today's couples have to juggle so many things from family expectations to outdated traditions and what's currently trending. So to make it easier, we're going deep to figure out why we do weddings the way that we do. So you can decide what to keep and what to toss from your wedding day plans. You are cordially invited to subscribe to The Bouquet Toss wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcast.com. By the power vested in us, we pronounce you free to plan your day your way. So we are back to talk about Bend It Like Beckham, a movie that uh, both of us had not seen in a really long time. Well, Audrey had never seen it. And uh, I had really only seen it like half a time, probably. It's like I meant to watch it, but <laughs> I was like, Bend It Like Beckham. I do not understand what that means. I know it's about sports and I don't care. And so yeah. I knew it was good, but I just couldn't motivate myself to watch it. Yes, uh, same until now. Okay, so let's start with the good things. I mean, there's really no bad things. There's like hard, there's a few bad things. Like, let me just get that out in the front and out in the clear is that compared to what we normally cover, this film should be taken a lot more seriously. And that's coming from us, but I think it should be regarded. And it, yes. as we stated before, yes. in England especially, it is regarded as like a historic piece of cinema. Yeah. And that's, I totally understand why, especially in 2002. So, you know, as far as like things to appreciate, it's like the legacy and the boundaries mm -hmm. that were broken with this film yeah. is something to appreciate. It's also just interesting to think about how like we never would have had an entry point to this movie had it not been marketed the way that it was, which was very much like, this is another sports movie. Like have this in your house, yeah. like, like a girl sports movie. Yeah. Um, and so like whoever did like the U S marketing for this, like kind of shout out to them because yeah. it probably made them way more money and they like deserve to make money on this movie. And mm -hmm. we never would have known about it if it weren't for that. So. Yeah. I mean, it like totally is a Sundance movie. Like, yeah. especially back then I, that like makes sense to me. Mm -hmm. And so all of the like film people of 2002 would have seen it and like, or like me now with a lot of indie films, like that's who would see it. Yeah. So it is, it is nice that kids and like specifically young girls got to see it in America. Totally. But it will privilege. Yeah. I will say, and then we'll get into the good things, like kind of my biggest the, the thing that stood out to me the most when I was watching it now is that like when I watched it in high school or middle school, like this movie is like so much about being Indian and there's like so much really accurate and like wholesome representation of mm -hmm. like Sikh culture in Britain. And I had like no memory of those parts. Like all I remembered was like the soccer, but that's like, it's like, that's like the bait that brings you in. And then like the actual thing is, yeah. is like it's all the Indian really culture. It's not really what it's about. Yeah. And I just thought that that was really cool. And that was kind of a part of me was like, yeah, this is not like the normal fare for like a chick flick type situation, but they masterfully convinced everyone that it was, which is kind of cool. Yeah. 
So yeah, as far as things I appreciate, the first thing I wrote was like in the first few minutes, cause I was like, oh, I was like, this just feels like an indie film. I was like, oh, what? <laughs> because I didn't know going into it. I didn't know this was a British film. I should have considering <laughs> the name, yeah. but I kid you not. When I tell you, I di- did not, no part of my brain was comprehending the name of this movie. Yep. Like at all. <laughs> Yeah. Like, I, th- I think that's why I didn't even watch it for so long. Yeah. Um, I think I read the other day or I saw a TikTok or something that Kiera Knightley was 26. Yeah. When this was filmed. Wait, no, she was 16 and the other girl was 26. Oh, well, we'll have to fact check it. Yeah, yeah, I saw yeah. something along those lines, which is just surprising. Mm-hmm. Um. Another thing I just kind of noticed in general, why did all of us as young gals in the early 2000s know about Mia Hamm? <laughs> like Probably, Mia Hamm was all over Keira Knightley's character's walls. I feel like it's because she was like on a happy meal or something. Yeah, I was like, I, I just, there's no, name another women's soccer player since then that we all just know about. Isn't there Megan Rapinoe? I don't know. She's really gay. I have no clue. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that that's one, but in general, I don't fucking know. It's just Mia Hamm. I don't know why, but it is. It's like the same thing with Michelle Kwan. Yeah. Um, I said it was refreshing to not see white people <laughs> as yes. much. Yes. The outfits on the girls who aren't the main characters, the non-soccer playing girls. The bimbos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are great. Yeah. Like I, I was like, their accents and stuff, it almost gave me like the way that people make fun of Love Island, mm-hmm. UK. Yes, 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 like, yes, yes. let me pull you for a chat or yeah, whatever, like, yeah, yeah. pull you for a chat. <laughs> they kind of remind me of that type of accent and like that it's kind like, of accent. It's like attitude. the Amy Winehouse, like Camden accent. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which is iconic. Like I don't look down upon them at all, but the movie. <laughs> We're also of, not part of the English class system. <laughs> the movie so. kind of wants you to a little bit. Yes. Just a, just a tad. Yes. I was so delighted that Keira Knightley was not the protagonist. Yes. Because the way it's marketed and it was, I get it, but they are both prominently featured on the cover, but you, because Keira's taller and she's more dominant and she's mm-hmm. got this like vertical pose, you yeah. just see, you like, you're kind of drawn to her more mm-hmm. on the cover. And so I thought she was the protagonist and then she wasn't and I was happy. Yeah. When Jess gets the little makeover for the party, yeah, I was living. <laughs> it was good. Her hair looks so like, good. Good. She's beautiful. Yeah, I wrote that down as one of my things. So yeah. she's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. I was not at all expecting the friend Tony to come out. Me neither. Like at all. Me neither. I wrote that down too. So I thought that. I thought that was good. I also love the way he said it. He was like, "No, I really like yeah. David Beckham." It was kind of. Realistic. It was good. Yeah. It was great. In a way. Yeah. Um, And then my last thing is that I thought that the way that they sound designed, shot, and edited the soccer playing Mm -hmm. was smart because I could not care less. If you are going to show me sideline shots for tracking the ball, where's it going? I don't care. <laughs> I do not care at all. But instead, like there were a f- there was a, a lot of great sound design choices that kind of put you into like the the mindset of Jess. And then yes. also at one point, the camera is the ball. Yeah. And I thought that was cool. It's just like a better way to portray sports in movies where you, they know their target audience doesn't really care. So I would like to say that I love in movies and plays and anything when there are parasocial relationships with celebrities. So when she's like talking to the David Beckham posters, I was like, yes. Like I love shit like that because I know I've had so many parasocial relationships in my life. Also have to rewind to say that I do have a selfie with David Beckham IRL because I saw him on the street one time in New York and it was before anyone else noticed that it was him. And it's a really, really awkward selfie. And I will, we'll share it probably on the sleepover account. Um, It was a scary moment, but I did know who he was and I went for it. And if I had known him better or like been more excited to see him, I probably wouldn't have gone for it. But because I was like, I don't really, this man's just really famous. um, I went for it. 
Okay. Um, there are just some really specific lines I really liked. I loved when um, Kira Knightley's mom says, there's a reason why Sporty Spice is the only one without a fella. I was like, mm-hmm. LOL. Um, I just, well, I'll get into this, but all of the things with Kara, like them thinking Kara's a boy, I was like into that. I really loved the shot of like when they're playing, when Jess is playing soccer near the end and she's like trying to go for the goal and like the opposing team turns into like all of the ladies in her Mm -hmm. life. I just thought that that was like, if it was on the nose, but I also love it when shit is on the nose sometimes. And I just really, really loved that choice. I loved the line, even though it was the lowest hanging fruit of all time at the wedding where the like auntie was like lesbian. I thought she was a Pisces. (laughs) I literally laughed out loud at that. Um, And I, despite the odds, I did buy the dad's growth in the end. I thought it was really, really cute. Only because Um, of his past with the sport. Yes. That's the only reason. Yes, definitely. And like in the movie, they talk about how he was like a really, really good player. And then he basically got like kicked out of the league he was playing in because he was Sikh and like Indian specifically. And like a lot of him not wanting Jess to play soccer is based off his own like trauma about it. Yeah. Um, Which is real. And also tied into a lot of other things, but like, that's the whole thing. This is like the director's main goal, like in her work is like to tackle things like this. And I just feel like it does a very good job of doing that. Okay. Just in general things that like stood out to me. Did you find, okay. When they were having like the wedding shower or like the pre-wedding event in uh, Jess's house, did you find that one guy to be like really creepy? The guy who like kept touching her unnecessarily. Yeah, but like that was the point. I know that just, that just really made a big impact on me. Mm-hmm. I really, during the wedding, I was like the way that they were like shooting the band, like how they were really showing the singers. I was like, these have to be famous people. Like this has to be like a cameo of some band. But when I was looking on IMDb, it like didn't say anything. So maybe it wasn't, but the way that it was shot was reminding me of like when they show the Miley Cyrus cameo at the end of High School Musical 2, like just hanging on to an extra a little too long. Like that was the vibe I was getting. And I really loved the shot where when Jess finally bends it like Beckham when she kicks the ball in and it like intercuts between her and her sister being like lifted up at her wedding. Mm -hmm. I just thought, again, it was really literal, but I loved it. I like it when they get spoon fed things sometimes, you know, it's like they're equally important in their own ways. Now we are showing you. Um, Mm -hmm. I just really enjoyed that. Okay. Bad things. I mean, none of the things that I listed as worse are actually bad. Nothing. There's nothing that is like legitimately bad. Honestly, like, do you think there are things about it that are legitimately bad? I have a couple. Yeah. So I was, the fact that I had to watch a sports movie, yeah, that's not good. <laughs> um, <laughs> this isn't even necessarily worse, but I think, oh no, Jess says it. Jess says it to the bimbos. She says, we're not all sluts. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That was funny. Yep. I wrote, okay, the line, this one it kind of actually is. It's just sort of like, mm, I don't know. What's <laughs> the guy's name that she likes? The coach? Let's just call him Joe, Joe. His name is Joe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I get the end and okay. Yeah. Like him in general, like he he is probably the factor of the movie that complicates my feelings the most. Yeah. Like it kind of, it almost gave me like, um, Blake Lively, Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. Yep. Um, with the coach vibes, <laughs> um, which is not good, but, you know, it's a part of it. Mm-hmm. But when he says, we'll go back to that. There's more to say about that. Yeah. But at the end when he says, um, I'm Irish, of course I understand what that feels like in regards to her family not accepting what she wants to do. Well, like, it, it was also in regards to her being called a slur on the field. Yes. Which I asked Chris about this. 
And he was basically like, there was a lot of anti-Irish sentiment, like among the white people in yeah. England, but like, it's such a reach for him like to that. earnestly say that. And for her to be like, yeah. Yeah. I was like, why was that your response? That's when you're like, oh, all right, I'm leaving. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. Or just to be like, okay. Yeah. But maybe in O2, that clearly was something that you could, yeah, have you, could, said, you could have said mm-hmm. um, because I don't know, I guess the wound was fresher <laughs> to Joe. Yeah. I'm not really sure. The line, get your lesbian feet out of my shoes was so funny. <laughs> yep. Like that's not even worse. It's just funny. <laughs> um, and then one of the things that I was like, eh, I don't, I felt kind of meh about is just like the airport trope. Yes. I, like, I don't really love the airport show but at least it made sense like it it didn't make sense and at least she wasn't like yeah we can be together now it was still like pretty measured which was nice yeah it was like realistic version of the airport true yeah and my last thing which probably maybe relates to what what you're gonna say maybe is that I just did not think that it was going to be what's Kara's character's name (laughs) <laughs> couldn't tell you I didn't think it was going to be Kiera and Jess I'm just gonna call her Kiera Kiera and Jess being into the same guy yeah like, no when if I may clock in at that point like when I was so confused like when Kiera got mad at her for like almost kissing him I was like wait 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 have I not been paying attention like have I missed something because to me, like even the pictures of Kiera with Joe, I was like, are they siblings? Are they step siblings? Like it never felt romantic like at all. And so I was so confused when she got mad. I was like, how is this real? But I feel like that's almost like from the perspective of Jess where it's like, Jess does not see it. Like she truly, and, yeah. and, and Kara's character literally tells her verbatim no I'm not into him and so she's like blindsided by it yeah but yeah I mean there's no tells other than the like two seconds that Kira does linger on the picture that's like the only and that's when I knew yeah I actually did like at that point I was like oh I get it yeah but I was just not that sure and especially like I didn't think that they were ever gonna be like she's gay but I did feel like with all of the stuff like she's like everyone mistaking her for gay and like everyone thinking she looks like a boy. It's like, why? And the fact that her mom thinks she's gay the whole time, it's like, why would you run us through this whole like fake, like coming out plot line? It's like, why do that? Cause in the end, it's kind of like, mom, I'm not gay. Like it's, it's still very like, it just has a weird effect in the end. Like I'm kind of like, it, there's no payoff. And then you end up getting the payoff from Tony. Which friend, like you don't even want. Which you don't even know that you want because yeah. you aren't invested in him as a character. Honestly, you're because they don't tell you much about him at all. And yeah. then he's like irrelevant. And then all of a sudden he comes out. And I do feel like it was to make up for the loss of Kiera not being yeah. gay. Kind of an interesting writing choice. I'm wondering if it was like more controversial to be out and lesbian instead of out and gay, because maybe it was like, okay, if it's like a gay guy, it's like less of a thing. But like he was an Indian character in the movie too. And I feel like that makes it more complicated. I don't know. I found that choice to be weird. Is I guess, I mean, it's a type of representation that you really do not see. Yep ever, mm-hmm. which I, I'm not even talking about Tony. I'm talking about the type like Kiera, like yeah. the, the like tomboy who people like think is a lesbian. Like but actually is isn't. a lesbian, like an explicit lesbian. Yeah. But then isn't. Right. Like, oh yeah. I guess what you're saying. Like it, it's kind of that person totally exists who like gets those, who gets like lesbian accusations and they're just like, I, when I don't. you beat the lesbian yeah. accusations. <laughs> That's what I put on my letterbox review is when you beat the lesbian allegations. <laughs> um, 
Because that's what this movie is. <laughs> because like you kind of just want them to have a crush on each other because they keep bonding and going shopping and having all these great experiences together. And like, like they love the same sport and they yeah. love to spend their time. But like they're just besties. But like when they're when they're standing on the side of the street by the bus stop and they're just like laughing in a way where it looks like they're kissing. I'm like, no, I feel like that's not a thing that that platonic <laughs> friends do. Like, yeah, necessarily. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a lot going on there. And I actually read a, um, an interview with the director that was pretty recent. And I was like, command F gay, command F lesbian, like trying to see if she said anything. And she basically was like, yeah, everyone thinks this movie is really gay. Everyone wants to see Jess and Kara Knightley get together and like, Kiara says like she'll do uh that she would love to do a sequel where where she's gay and I'm like okay Kiara we'll then step up to the plate but like where like, are you that's not what it is so like yeah it's I don't I don't like reboots sequels for the sake of revisionist history yeah like I it's my least favorite thing my excitement and enthusiasm towards reboots has just taken a complete nosedive because yeah, I mean, they're, they're just never good. taking advantage yeah that's all it is yeah also, circling back to the wedding thing for one second, just another thing about this director. This is not surprising what I'm about to say, but like the majority of the people at the wedding were like her family <laughs> or like extras that they specifically. Oh, really? Yeah, it's like people that like there are no actual actors there. You can tell. You can totally tell. And it makes sense that she's a documentary filmmaker. Yep. You, it has that. Totally. Energy. Yeah. It's like Mike White, but like more. Yeah. Or not Mike White. Richard, Richard Linklater. Linklater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, Sorry, my bad. <laughs> you were like, yeah, sure. I'm not going to say no because I don't want to make you feel bad, but that's what I meant. Um, okay. I have two more bad things. The first one is I, okay. So their family is so strict, right? But she gets caught lying literally like four times and then is still able to leave, leave. and do whatever she wants. Yeah. And I'm kind of like, okay, even in my house- I could not get away with that. Like, I just, I thought that was weird. It was like, there were so many beats of her getting caught and like, it never really seemed to make a difference. It's like, okay, well, how bad could it really be? I mean, if both the parents work, that's pretty yeah. much the only. But does the mom way. work? Not that we know. Yeah. But like in the theory, if they did, if they both worked, then it would make sense. She could leave. Yeah. I don't think the mom works though. We just, I don't think so, but we don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But that just kind of bothered me. And then uh, last but not least, <laughs> at the very end, the David Beckham cameo, I was like, that's not David Beckham. I was like, that is like, <laughs> that is like a wax figure with motion. And uh, Posh Spice yeah, as well. I was like, and the yeah. way, like, the angle they shot it from, it was like, so far below. I thought that was so weird. I thought that was the weirdest if choice. If you couldn't get him, maybe just write him out. Yeah. If you couldn't get him. Like, I thought that that was like the weirdest note to end on. I was like, what the fuck is this? Um, but it was really funny. Um, it's not supposed to be. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Problematic wise, I feel like we covered a lot of it already, but I really didn't like the line when Joe said, I'm not your coach anymore. We can do what we want. It was a horrible accent. I was like, ew. Not really. Um, <laughs> we can do what I want. <laughs> he, yeah, it, it's like that is the one um, kind of like topic that the film does not care to make Unpack. an example of. Yeah. It's just like this man is older for sure. By at least what, like four years? Yeah. I mean, which isn't that bad. Originally, he was going to be way older, though. And then they were like, what if we just made him younger? And they were like, okay, haha. And then made him younger. I'm glad they did. Yeah. Unless they were going to like also make it a lesson about right, that. Right, right. But that's too many lessons. Like, I think she can only learn so much. Mm -hmm. She didn't even need a love story. No, they didn't they need didn't to need put. It. And they kind of they kind of did like retract from that because she does still choose to leave. She doesn't like go get in a relationship with him. It's just kind of open-ended. Like we might have something as they say. Right. Um, which is good. It reminds me of the ending of a different movie. Oh, it's Aquamarine. Uh oh, <laughs> 
All roads lead to Aquamarine. Except the end of Aquamarine is so like fantasy. Yeah, but you know what I'm talking about when it's like Raymond and Aqua. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. It's so fantasy. Yeah. He's like, are you planting to surface anytime soon? <laughs> and she's like, that's weird. She's like, weird. me and Fiji bitch. She's like, that's weird. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what did you just say? Plan? Oh, it's are planning you planning to, to surface? surface? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, wow. Thinking about the ending of Aquamarine is like getting me emotional right now. <laughs> like, let me not do that. Um, okay. I want to kind of see if there's anything dun, else here. Done. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> you know the music? Is that the Wii? Oh, at the end of no, Aquamarine? it sounds similar to the Wii music, but it's not. You know? Yeah, sing it again. Now it just sounds like Wii music. Not that, but you know what I'm talking about. Fuck. Yeah. Ba-ba-ba-ba. Boom, 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 boom. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Da, 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 with, with the guitar. <laughs> dun, 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 <laughs> wow. If we watch that movie right now, it would be too much. I just want the ending. The yeah. ending of Aquamarine basically fucks me up whenever. When JoJo's like, we still got our wish. Yeah. Like, when she's in the water. Oh, my God. She goes, oh, my God. <laughs> It's good to have friends with fins. <laughs> Can we just float a while? <laughs> I want to enjoy this. <laughs> oh, oh man. Okay. Anyway. That's literally that like brought tears to my eyes. I love that movie so much. Okay. I mean, yeah, the coach thing is really <laughs> the coach thing is the worst thing about it, and it's not that bad. I agree. I also thought. This is just a side note. Like, did you... Okay, I think this is probably because we're American. But, like, there were moments of dialogue where I was like, is this a comedy? Like, I literally can't tell. Like, when um when uh Karen Knightley's mom was like, I hate what they did to George Michael. It is a comedy. I mean, is it, it is, but there's, like, moments where I'm like, what? And then he's like, you still listen to Wham. Like, yeah, I those are, Those funny. are played for laughs, for sure. Yeah. Um. Okay. So, end of the day here. Of course it's worth watching. (laughs) It's really worth watching. It's like a really good course in English culture and also Indian culture. And it's long. I want to say that that because Audrey's going to literally murder me, but it's two hours long. I'm just Just saying. Just don't listen to Hannah's comments about length because cinema is cinema (laughs) and it takes how long it's supposed to take. We have to respect the craft, okay? I mean, I watched it. Did I not? I don't know. Did she? <laughs> <laughs> I did watch it, and it was good. <laughs> I think the fact that Audrey and I did not have a lot of childhood experience with this movie, of course, always changes our association with stuff. Um, is this movie super gay? Yes. Is it intentionally gay? No. Kind of. Yeah, kind of, but not in the way you want it to be. Um, But mostly I feel like it's a really, really good hook into the work of this director. Like I feel like I watched part of her documentary about um, partition, which was this thing that happened like with Pakistan. And again, I'm not going to try to explain it, but it was really, really interesting. And she's very into like going into the homes of like old ladies and like asking them about their lives. And I just really love it and respect it when directors and creators are like really earnestly set on documenting their world and being very much like, this is my story to tell. Like no one's going to tell it better than me. So I'm going to go for it. Um, it just makes me really happy. And it's a really good example of someone doing precisely what they should be doing. Girl boss. No, I'm just kidding. What did you say? Girl boss. <laughs> she deserves her flowers for her long and established career as a filmmaker. So thank you for like bringing a really interesting culture into the homes of like 8,000 million white girls in America who had no fucking clue what it was until they saw this movie. Including us. Sort of. I mean, I didn't see it as a kid. I saw it like a, a few days ago. Um, so it's a little different. Right, but I'm talking but. about in general for people that saw it when they were growing up. Yeah. Um, okay. 
Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Sleepover Cinema. Um, we have some really exciting collaborations coming up soon. And mm-hmm. so just keep your eyes and ears prepared for those. Um, and again, if you were in our trivia event uh, tonight slash uh, this past week, if you're listening to this on Thursday or Friday, um, thank you so much for being there. It was so cute and fun. And we are really looking forward to doing another one. So um, we will keep you all posted on that. And, yeah. and I just want to plug, um, I just want to plug our TikTok again. Um, cause I feel like I haven't in a while. We haven't brought it up in a while. But yeah. It is at sleepover cinema and, um, yeah, I mean, I work hard on those, uh, I work hard on my shit posting. So <laughs> they're I mean, very pretty. If you watch the watch or listen to the actual show, it's kind of just like tidbits from the show. But they're like very aesthetically pleasing, I have to say. Audrey I, does a I good job. I try to catch the attention of the masses. Yes. It's like a game. Yes. You know? It's a game within a game. It is. Um, you could go and comment on one of them and say... I'm an actual listener. All of your opinions are perfect. Thank yeah. you so much for sharing them. The TikTok comment section is like where fun goes to die. <laughs> like actually. For us. No, literally for everyone. It, it, it the climate is insane. Yeah, in the TikTok it's a bit comment, intense. It's a bit intense. Sections. Um, so come join us and be nice. That'd be cool of you to do that. Okay. Well, until next time, I'm Hannah Leach, <laughs> reporting live from live from this giant ass white wall in my apartment. Signing. Signing off. <laughs> Bye. Bye. You can find more from us at evergreenpodcast.com slash sleepover dash cinema and keep up with our latest creative projects at tupingpictures.com. If you want to watch our show as well as listen, we're on YouTube too. Search sleepover cinema or go to the link tree in our Instagram bio. We're on Instagram and Twitter at tupingpictures and would love to hear from you there. We're also on TikTok at sleepover cinema and that's really where the party is at. And if you like the show, if it brings back evocative memories of childhood or tweendom or babysitting, share the episode with a few friends. Leave us an iTunes review telling us what movie you'd like to see us cover next and leave us a review if you like the show. And if you don't, don't. Sleepover Cinema is a production of Evergreen Podcasts, produced, edited, and engineered by us, Hannah, and Audrey Leach. Sleepover Cinema is mixed by Sean Rule Hoffman with theme music by Josh Perlman Hall. Special thanks to executive producers Michael D'Aloya and David Moss. We'll chat again soon. Bye. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the fact from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon. This podcast was produced with the support of the Ohio Motion Picture Tax Credit and in partnership with the Ohio Development Services Agency.